Well, last week we were teaching on miracles. Let's go to Mark's Gospel, chapter 16. It's dangerous to sit on the front row. Mark chapter 16. Let's look in verse 15. And he said unto them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And uh, I've commented many times, I don't think he said go into all the world. I think he said get. It's an imperative command. Lots of opportunities to bless around you. Amen. And your world is right through those doors. Your world may take you to Ghana. I encourage you to go. If, if it seems good to you and to the Holy Ghost, go. Somebody said, well, an angel hasn't appeared and told me to go. Well, you probably won't go too many places. Well, I didn't have a dream or a vision that I should go. Well, you, you had a big dream the other night. You went to Walmart. <laughs> this is our world. Walk around in it. Amen. You're allowed to move around. I, I, I always like to turn it around. I always hate that verse in the book of Job where Satan shows up in front of God. And God says, where have you been? And Satan said, I've been walking to and fro throughout the earth and up and down in it. More than once, I've been in the middle of nowhere and I've said, devil, I'm the one walking around to and fro and up and down in it. Amen. So go, he said, and preach the good news to everyone. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believes not shall be damned. Now, if you'll be honest about that verse, it's enough to make you go. People need to hear. People are dying without hearing the gospel. And these signs will follow them that believe. Now, I know there's some people that don't believe this. And they, they don't even believe this belongs in the Bible. They believe this text should be removed from the Bible. Well, that's how much they don't believe it. The problem is everything that's going to be said here is said somewhere else as well. And, uh, and I believe it. Not only do I believe it, but I've seen it. These signs will follow them that believe. If you'll believe it, these signs will follow you. Now, we sometimes have turned that around, in particular when, when God moves by his power in a special way or in a great manifestation, people start following the signs. Now, now for some, that's all right, but not for a believer. See, see, in fact, it was Augustine, one of the great forefathers of the church. Augustine is how the theologians pronounce it. Augustine. Uh, he said, miracles are mainly for the unbeliever to lead them to faith. That's a powerful statement. Amen. And uh, we're going to find Paul made almost that statement. It's probably where Augustine got it. Uh, but these signs should follow you as a believer. He didn't say these signs will follow the apostles. He didn't say these signs will follow you, Peter. No, he said these signs will follow 
those that believe. Any believers in here tonight? Amen. You see, I want to get it across to you that God wants you to walk in the realm of the miraculous. God wants you to have a, a testimony of miracles behind you. You look back and you see miracles in your life. Amen. These signs will follow your life everywhere you go. I remember I, uh, I took Bruce Latibu back in 1993 to uh, Minsk, Belarus, and uh, Dave Esler had been printing up Kenneth Hagin books, and we were getting ready to have a, a week-long seminar. All these pastors were coming in from the collapsed Soviet Union. And uh, we, uh, David rented this huge auditorium in the, uh, the House of Officers, it's called. It was basically the, their equivalent of the Pentagon. And we worked with the general in that building and uh, prepared for the meeting. The general took Bruce and I actually back these halls and, and, and we got to see a bank of red phones that was literally where they would receive orders to launch the nuclear missiles against America. Uh, Minsk was the, the communications hub for a direct nuclear attack upon the United States. And there I am standing in the middle of this room with all the... Li honest to God, there were red phones, just, just like on some Get Smart movie. I mean, it, it was incredible. And, and uh, but one, one time we had a whole box of these books. And so I said, come on, Bruce, let's go distribute some of these. So we went out on the sidewalk and this, this sidewalk went up this, this long stretch of a hill and it was pretty busy people walking on the, on the sidewalk. So we would just go up to a stranger and, and give out these uh, little mini books on how to be saved. And we were giving them out as fast as nobody would, I mean, everybody wanted one. And, 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 and you'd give one out here and somebody would come over and say, you know, could I have one? And, and uh, we, we gave out hundreds of them and we worked our way up maybe 150 yards up this hill and we, we, were, we were done. The box was empty. I don't know, probably 500 of them. We turned around. Honest to God, still makes me want to cry. We turned around and looked down the hill and nobody was moving. People were just standing there reading the, the gospel. Hallelujah. Boy, I'm telling you, that to me was one of the best signs following me that I've ever seen. <laughs> see, that's, that's what I want you to be able to look at the end of your life. I want you to be able to look back and see a history of miracles. God wants to work miracles in your life. I mean, he, he wants it so that he tells you to go somewhere, sell your house and move to and buy a new house. And you say, I ain't going to have that baby till I get there. <laughs> and the water breaks in the front yard. Glory to God. <laughs> See, I know some miracles. He's a miracle-working God. Amen. And, and people need to know that God wants to work miracles. God wants to work miracles more than you do. Amen. So these signs will follow me. Put your name in here. Aren't you a believer? These are the signs that follow Jake. Or Jack. Both. Both. However you want to call yours. He changes his name. Every time I meet him, he's got a new name. <laughs> you, you're, like, you're like, we get one of those magazines. We get three copies in the mail. You know, it's like they got a, they got a mix up. You, that way you get triple blessed, right? Put your name in there. In my name, Jesus said, they'll cast out devils. That's what you do. You drive the devil out. 
in the name of Jesus. See, now, don't be afraid of that. Somebody said, well, I don't have the power to do that. No, God didn't say you did. See, God will do his part, but you got to do your part. You say, come out in Jesus' name. And they let God do his part. And he will. Somebody said, is it that simple? If you believe it is, it's that simple. If you want to make it hard and believe it's hard, well, then it'll be hard for you. Some of you are going to chew on that for a while. Let me ask you this way. Is, which is easier, to raise the dead or to wake somebody up from sleeping? Honest question. Wake somebody up from sleeping is easier than raising somebody from the dead. Well, then it maybe isn't that why Jesus walked into a room where a girl was dead? Dead? And what did he say? Wake up. She's just sleeping. See, what do you believe about it? Half of you, your problem is you think your problem's hard. <laughs> you think your problem's hard. You ain't talked to somebody that had a hard problem. Amen. But you, you allow the, the devil to, to, to uh, lead you into a place where you believe it's going to be difficult. I remember a fellow came to me in, back in Titusville. He was a youth pastor for a Presbyterian church. And he calls me on the phone. I'd, I would meet him from time to time in the uh, uh, ministerial meeting where pastors would get together. And he, he called me on the phone, which I was surprised. And he said, uh, can I meet with you? I need a miracle. I said, okay, you know, I'm thinking maybe I got one in my pocket. So I went out for lunch with him and he he sat down and he was real serious. And he said, "Uh, I I don't know where to go. I don't know who to turn to. And and I know you believe in this kind of stuff and I need a miracle. I said, okay. I said, God can take care of that. He's a miracle working God. No, he said, you don't understand. I really need a real miracle. I said, oh, contrary to a fake miracle, you need a real miracle. Miracle. <laughs> I said, yeah, I know you need a, you're saying you need a real miracle. And then and he, he says, I, I, there's, just, there's no way to fix this but without a miracle from God. I said, well, okay, well, God can fix it. He's a miracle working God. And then he, I said, what, what's your problem? So then he told me his problem. And I said, well, first of all, you, you don't need a miracle. You need mercy and grace. And that's different. But guess what? We got that for you. you got, see, he'd, he'd done some stupid things and his wife had left him and she, she probably was justified. Well, might have even been better if she'd just killed him. But <laughs> And it was bad. All right? See, he didn't need a miracle. He needed mercy and grace. But he got his mercy and grace. But I, it was funny to me, though, that he'd, he'd worked it up into his mind to make it harder than it was. Sometimes they say, well, pastor, you don't, you don't understand where I am. You know, the, the doctor said I'm going to die. Well, so am I. It, it's just I'm not ready to go. And if you're not ready to go, Jesus said, live here till you're satisfied. And I'm, I can teach you how to stay. And, and you can... Learn some principles because God if, wants to lead you off into the realm of the miraculous. Amen. And you can receive. 
So no, you say, come out in Jesus' name. And they will come out. Amen. They'll speak with new tongues. Well, don't get me started there. Thank God for speaking with other tongues. And that is a sign. It's a sign to the unbeliever. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, I remember I was on a platform in uh, Zambia. With Christopher Alam had invited me to go over to a conference, and, and they had uh, a crusade. I like the way Christopher does his crusades, because before he does the crusade, he does two weeks of pastor seminars and church planting strategies. And then they do the large evangelistic campaign where they'll have sometimes over 100,000 show, which is just incredible. And you got this sea of people, and most of them get saved. And then, you know, now maybe a third to a quarter have some connection with the church, but the majority of them have no connection to a new church. So then when it's over, all these pastors, five, six hundred of them, that we've been training them for two weeks, now they've got all the believers they can follow up forever. You know what I mean? And then they start dozens and dozens and churches everywhere. And I stand on the platform, and right next to me was the, the pilot of the British Airway plane that, brought, that was taking me home, taking my son and my dad home. His name's Phil. And uh, we led Jesus, or we led Phil to Jesus, we led Jesus to Phil. That's interesting. <laughs> well, we kind of did. <laughs> Jesus was with us. Anyway, we led Phil to Jesus literally at dinner. Get this, this is funny. Total heathen, just total pagan, living the lifestyle of a rich guy doing stuff you shouldn't be doing. And he meets my dad and me and Ben, and he had just come from a, a failed suicide attempt. <laughs> yeah, the pilot of a 747. And, uh, uh, and we met him in the airport and he, going into town, so we said, hey, we'll take the same taxi. So he, he enjoyed the, the little conversation. I said, hey, what, have you eaten? So we bought him dinner. What was the price of his salvation? A taxi ride and dinner. Come on, guys. Anyway, so we're sharing Jesus with Phil. And actually, Ben ha had a big impact on, on Phil. Was talking to him about the Lord. And so we're at near, nearing the end of the meal. And I said, Phil, is there any reason you can't receive Jesus as your Lord right now? He said, I, I guess not. So we held hands around the table. And Phil became my brother. And then I looked up. I said, amen. I said, hey, Phil, I'm running late. What are you doing? He says, I, I'm not doing anything. I said, well, why don't you come to me? We're going to a meeting. <laughs> he had no idea. Sure. So I said, come on. So there was a car waiting for us, and we, we drove us out to this field. He's like, where are we going? I said, wait and see. And, and, and we get there, and I, quickly I said to Christopher, I said, could you put an extra seat up on the platform? i got a friend with me. Oh, sure, sure. So here's this guy. He's like 30 minutes old in the Lord, standing in front of 100,000 people, and his eyes are like this. Right? And Christopher preached his message, which was a good message for him. And, and then Christopher ministered on the baptism of the Holy Ghost. 
And he said, now just raise your hands. Everybody that speaks in tongues, you raise your hand and speak in tongues and worship the Lord. And I'm going to pray for the rest of you. And I lifted my hands and started to speak in tongues. And Phil went like, because <laughs> he's, you know, right here. And, and, and I, I s- spoke out in tongues for a little bit. And then I lowered my hands. And he said to me, I didn't know you spoke Swahili. See, he was born and raised in Kenya. Swahili was his first language. And I said, I don't speak Swahili. He said, you were praising God in perfect Swahili. <laughs> See, that's, isn't that exactly what 1 Corinthians 14 says? That it's a sign? Well, that's one aspect it's a sign. And, 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 and sure, it was a sign for Phil, right? And brought him along. He got filled with the Holy Ghost. Phil got filled. But there's other signs as well. You go ahead and spend enough time praying in the Holy Ghost and you'll see signs or coincidences. And the more time I spend in prayer, the more coincidences I have. And if I stop praying for a while and get stale and dry, I don't have as many coincidences. Amen. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Well, let's keep reading. They shall take up serpents. Some of the ladies looked under the chairs real quick. Now, uh, there, there, there's, some, there's some weird weird people, you know, try to put things, everything they try to make an extreme. You don't need to do that. But if you do get bit by a rattler, you got somewhere to go. The Apostle Paul stuck, was, was bringing in firewood and a snake attached, a poisonous viper attached itself to his hand, and he just shook it off in the fire. Kept going, doing what he was doing. And he didn't fall over dead, and everybody's watching him because they're expecting him to fall over dead. Well, what was that? It's a sign. So, so uh, poison, he, he, he emphasizes that. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. Amen? It shall not hurt them. Well, call on that if you get food poisoning. Amen. They'll lay hands on the sick. That's a sign. That's something you ought to do. You lay your hands on the sick and they shall recover. Amen. I've, I've had, I remember we had uh, a Bible study Terry and I did for umpteen years in a house. And there was a fellow got saved one day. And the week, next week, he comes back with his wife, and she got saved. And about a week later, they come back, and she testifies. I mean, she only had one sermon in her heart. He had two. And he had some, something similar to symptoms of a heart attack laying in bed at night. But I had talked about laying hands on the sick. And she, she jumped up in bed and said, I got hands. And she literally jumped up on top of him and laid her hands on his chest. And, and doggone it, God healed her. God healed him right there. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. These signs will follow them that believe. Sometimes when you only got one sermon under your belt, you believe more. Hallelujah. <laughs> So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and he sat on the right hand of God and they went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord working with, and notice in the King James, the word them is in italics. The Lord working with and confirming the word. 
with signs following. See, signs will follow them that believe because the believer's preaching. Don't, don't let that word preach make you think it's a pulpit. Maybe sharing is a better word. You share the gospel. Oh, you're preaching. You're proclaiming. You're bringing truth. Amen? You're talking over that coffee and, and ministering to them. And it ain't going to go away. That word gets down in their heart. You've infected them. There's no mask that will keep that contagion out. Amen. And then God comes and confirms the word that was spoken to them. Hallelujah. God wants to work. All we need to do is get the word into people. And God will begin to confirm with and work with that word. I had a, a powerful example with a guy. Uh, he's, he's, he, yeah, he's in heaven now. Good friend of ours was the head of the home of this Bible study, Charlie McRae. And Charlie and Helen opened their home up to the gospel for five or six years, I suppose. And uh, hello. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, one night he was on the roof uh, of his son, they were helping his son build his house. He was on the roof, which was a two-story building, and he fell all the way through, you know, they hadn't put the flooring in, and uh, into the basement, and he landed on his back on a two-by-four that was leaning up against the wall, and uh, broke his back. And uh, took him quite a while to get the ambulance to get him out of the basement. Because I beat him to the hospital, and I was 40 minutes away, <laughs> and he was 10. And I don't know how I got there so fast. But I, I, when they pulled him out of the ambulance, I still remember the blood-curdling screams of pain. And they, they took him into this, <clears throat> the ER side room, and he was screaming. And uh, finally, when the doctors had done whatever they were going to do and I because they wouldn't let me near him but finally he's screaming his head off when I got into there where I could minister to him I didn't know what to do I never did never faced anything like that before but thank God for the Holy Ghost and you you're filled with the Holy Ghost but when I walked in I, I just came out of my mouth I don't know that I ever read it anywhere I yelled at him I got right in his face he's screaming his head off and I got right in his face about this close and I screamed at him, Charlie! Just like that. Because I knew he wasn't paying attention. Because he's in so much pain. Charlie! Give me a verse! And he looked at me, and there was a flash of recognition. And he said, the Lord is. Well, I knew it was the Lord's song. The Lord is my shepherd. And I just jumped on that. See, now... What's happening? God's got something to work with. See, He works with the Word. Somebody said, well, I don't have any power to heal anybody. Neither do I. Neither did Paul. Neither did Oral Roberts. Neither did Benny Hinn. Neither did Catherine Kuhlman. Catherine and Oral, and, you know, they're dead. They're in heaven. The Holy Ghost ain't dead. 
Somebody says, well, I want Oral's anointing. It never was his. <laughs> oh, I'm going to lay on Catherine Kuhlman's grave until I get her anointing. It, it ain't her anointing. I don't want the anointing. I want Jesus' anointing. He's alive. Right? But if you don't give the word, he won't have anything to work with. Whenever you're in a problem, the first thing you need to, to, to understand is what does the word say about this problem? And, and grab a hold of that. See, when there was this woman and, and, this, and a wedding was taking place and it was very important to her, but there wasn't enough wine. And you got to have wine at a wedding. And so, so she talked to her son about it. And he, he rolled his eyes and said, Oh, Mama, it ain't my time. And she grabbed the servants and said, Do whatever he says. Now, when you get into a tight spot, that's good advice. I'm going to do whatever he says. What does the word say about it? Somebody said, well, I got a bad doctor's report. Well, what does the word say? Whose report are, are you going to believe? See, you don't have to be afraid of the doctor's report. I've talked to people and I'd say, so the doctor says you have cancer. Oh, don't say that word. Well, I'm not afraid of that word. Jesus said, go cast out devils. I'll say that word devil too. I'll say the word cancer, 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 cancer. It don't scare me none. Because that's what's going to run through the door. You're not afraid of eczema. You're not afraid of warts. You'll say warts. Pastor, will you pray for my wart? Well, what's the difference between a wart and cancer? One's on the inside, one's on the outside. If God can curse a wart, he can curse cancer. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Hello. Amen. amen. He's sitting on the front row and he ain't saying amen. That ain't fair. <laughs> he doesn't know the price of admission. <laughs> Let's go to 1 Corinthians 2. See, it's a powerful gospel. It's a powerful gospel. I'm here tonight because my mother had a back problem. And the doctors couldn't help her. Now, this was years ago. Maybe they could today. I don't know. Doctor told her to live with pain. And there was this crazy, charismatic Catholic. A Catholic man. And he came and prayed for her. And she was healed. Now my family's got to deal with that. You just you're just gonna walk now. Don't don't you know? Hey, hold on. Jesus raised the guy from the dead, and there were people that followed Jesus, and there were people that ran to the Pharisees to figure out how to kill Jesus. People are just doing just seeing a miracle isn't going to change it because faith doesn't come from seeing a miracle. Augustine said, miracles will lead you to faith. That means there'll be a sign or a wonder to make you dig in and say, what is this? 
And my mom was healed. Nah, we got to deal with it. You mean we can't just have Christianity conveniently on Sunday and then live how we want for six other days? You mean it, 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 this God stuff is trying to, we're going to become one of them swinging in the chandeliers kind of people, those crazy ones? Some of you even in here, you might be worried. You came here. Oh, no, they might think well, I'm really crazy. They already think you're crazy. <laughs> Just give up. Jump in. Amen. It's nice. But uh, that, that miracle paved the way for me to reevaluate everything. And I was suicidal. It was perfect timing. See, God makes himself known. God wants to do miracles through your life to break into family units and groups and circles. That there's no other way to get in there. You, you need a miracle. Paul talked about this. Too much Christianity is it's too refined. Here in verse 1, 1 Corinthians 2 And I, brethren, when I came to you, I didn't come with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. Now, quite honestly, I think he had excellent speech. I think he had wisdom. He said he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. I don't think he was stupid. But what he was emphasizing was that's not what he was bringing to the table. He said, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. See, if there's no power in it, what good is it? Terry and I have been in church services where if you remove Jesus from everything, nothing would have changed in the service. And that just hurts me. I've heard sermons where, where, where a guy could preach for 60 minutes and never even say the name Jesus. I don't, I don't get it. It's too refined. Paul preached in such a way that people would see the demonstration of the Spirit and power. See it. That your faith would not stand in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. That's where Augustine got his statement. See, my faith stands on a foundation that Jesus is alive. And that miracles aren't a strange occurrence. Amen. God wants to work miracles in your life. Thank God for it. And they, they, they change you, yes, but they change everything around you. Hallelujah. Look with me in Acts 2, verse 22. Acts 2.22 We had a mechanical failure last week and the message wasn't recorded completely. 
made me chuckle. I thought, devil, this must be an important message. I'll just preach it again. Here in Acts 2, verse 22, Peter's preaching and he said, You men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as you yourselves also know. Now here, before we talk about the miracles, wonders, and signs, get everything he said. He's preaching to the religious people in Jerusalem, and he said, and you know this. See, there were many who received Jesus, but there were many who put him up on the cross. And those who put him up on the cross were fully aware of all the miracles. When they said, crucify him, they knew Lazarus had been raised from the dead. They, they were guilty because they knew about all these. See, just seeing a miracle isn't, isn't going to put you over. People used to come to me. I haven't had it recently, but people used to come to me. I, I, I want to see a miracle. Okay, but I'm telling you right now, you could see a miracle. God could blow the roof off this building and, 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 and run a train over the top of it and then put the roof back down. And there'd be somebody with an excuse. You'd come up with some way to keep yourself away from God's supernatural intervention into the natural realm. There's a testimony Apparently, they used to make doctors, I believe it was in Arizona, had to read the testimony of a woman who was incurable, who was healed. But what they wanted them to read was the fact that when she was healed and got up out of her bed and went into the doctor's office in the hospital, he literally turned his back on her and tried to crawl into a closet and begged her to leave the room because he didn't want confronted with the fact that she was healed. Miracles are so prevalent, the excuses aren't in the realm to, to disprove the miracle. The excuses are in the realm to keep oneself safe from God's claim. See, if miracles are real, you've got to look at the world differently. That there is a God. And that He wants to move in history, in time, in your life, and show Himself for you. It's very similar to a friend of mine I've been praying for for several years now. He hasn't, he's still working on his testimony. But the Bible says, He that wins souls is wise. So I always pray for wisdom. How can I reach this guy? He's a, he's a special forces kind of fellow he's seen more tours where you had to take your dog tags off he's done more nasty things than I even want to remember and I just got it second hand and uh, for a while he would write me every time one of his friends would commit suicide that was in his squad or in his work experience After a while, and last, this was recent, this was about two years ago, 
I, I was talking with him and mentioned some of that. How are you doing? And he said, well, I ain't, I'm the, I ain't got any friends. They're all dead. And it was right around that time I was praying, how can I bring him to Jesus? And I realized by the Spirit, for him to admit there's a God, in that same instant, he has to look on all the atrocities he's done and he, he, he would probably put a gun to his head. Somewhere in this mix, he's got to see grace first and mercy first. Because the minute he admits there is a God, he, he doesn't deserve to exist. But he does. And he'll see grace and mercy first. Amen. Well, that's the same with the miracle. That's why people don't like miracles. It's, it's, it's the reason... You know, pe people don't want there to be a God the same reason criminals don't want to run and find the policeman. They, they want to they hide. But miracles kind of show it up. What are you going to do with this? So all of these people saw what Jesus had done. And, and Peter used three words. Miracles, wonders, and signs. You'll find them throughout the Bible. But very simply... In fact, in the King James, sadly, uh, many times you'll see miracles in uh, John's gospel. John never used the word miracle, even though they translated it. He used the word sign. They translated it wrong. And, it, and it, it, it's different, or rather it's a way of looking at a miracle. Signs and wonders are different ways of looking at miracles. A miracle is simply the manifestation, the event. Someone was healed. You know, wine was multiplied. You know, your car never ran out of gas. Anybody experienced that? My wife thinks I live in that perpetual miracle. But... <laughs> the miracle is the, is, is the manifestation. The, a wonder... Signs and wonders. What's a wonder? It's the effect. It makes you wonder. Holy moly. It, it makes you wonder. I remember I prayed for a guy. <laughs> he, he, I, he, I don't think he was saved. Somehow he was. It was during our revival we had. And he came down front and he had a backache. And I mean, he's in a lot of pain. Just probably 25-year-old kid. And, and he, he's in all this. He's in this pain. And, and, and uh, I mean, you can see it on his face. He, he's he's on, almost to the point of sweating. He's in so much pain and agony. I laid hands on his back and instantly Jesus healed him. And he stands up and he's, and his eyes are big. And, he's, and I had the microphone. I said, how's that feel? And I put that in the front of his mouth and he went, Eep. that feels good. I won't even repeat what he said. <laughs> My wife won't let me. <laughs> That's, that was a wonder. Whew, he was still, he was filled with wonder. Amen. Now a sign shows the value or the significance. There's, with a sign, it's something deeper. Have you ever noticed as you read the Gospel of John, Jesus would heal a blind man and then start teaching about spiritual blindness. 
signs have, have an, an epic or epoch aspect to them, a turning point. There are, there are value and significance. Quite, quite honestly, uh, people think too much about the sign aspect. They think God won't heal them because it's not important. See, there was a sign where God showed His glory with the plagues or with splitting the Red Sea. But it's all the miracles that weren't written that you don't know about. That you stubbed your big toe in the middle of the night and you couldn't sleep, but you asked your daddy. And he healed you. Now there's no sign there. Alright? There might be a little bit of a wonder to you, but probably not even wonder. Because he's your father and you expect it. Alright? Amen. See, Jesus being raised from the dead was a sign. There was more than just the miracle involved. It was a sign to everyone that that God had named this man as our Redeemer. Amen? So now, wrapping all that up, let's go back to Exodus 15. At some point, you hear enough of this that it'll push you over to where you expect God to work miracles through you. I'm not trying to say that you'll be a Benny Hinn. Your hair is better than his anyway. But God will use you. Amen. God will use you. And you'll pray. And God will answer. There's got to come a hunger into you for the, for the power of God. Paul said this. He said, desire spiritual gifts. That word desire translated in the King James is actually the word covet. Covet them. Now, let's just look at it in the negative side. It's a sin to covet your neighbor's wife. So what is coveting? It's, it's, it's a desire. It's a strong desire. that can't be denied to covet. Go ahead and covet the gifts of the Spirit. See, you're not going to walk in the power of God until you do. I used to literally cry going to sleep at night, asking God, why am I not more anointed? I covet the power of God. You want, you have, and, and the more you get to know God for who He is, the more you'll understand why. Because it's not just to see a miracle. And the Lord dealt with me on that one time. You're more interested in seeing somebody get out of a wheelchair than you are seeing that person in the wheelchair being healed. Do you get that? See, I got into following the miracles. And lost the compassion for the sick. Why do you covet the power of God? I had a, a time in Armenia that I've talked a lot about because I saw so many mir- I saw more miracles in thirty days than I'd seen in in fifteen years of my ministry. And I and I knew it was God. I didn't do anything different. 
And, uh, but at the same time, I stayed in this apartment that was in this building where they gave me the room. I don't, you know, it, it wasn't a hotel, it was an apartment building. And then I found out that about five floors up, there was a woman dying of cancer. And uh, they, didn't, they didn't want to bother me. And, uh, well, that bothered me. So every, every morning before I'd go to Bible school, I'd get up a little bit extra early. And I'd go those five floors up. And I'd knock on the door and I'd go in and pray for her. And it, it, it became a habit for a couple of weeks. And uh, I'd laid my hands on her belly. And her belly was, it, it felt like her, she looked like she was pregnant. And it felt like her belly was full of rocks. And I'd lay my hands on her and I'd pray and I'd curse that. And she had, he, he was there. Uh, he'd stand there weeping. None of them spoke English. And uh, all, they didn't even have ibuprofen. or They had nothing. Zero medicine. And so every day I'd go up and down, up and down. And she went to be with Jesus. In the midst of people being healed all around me. But every day I'd get up and go, pray for her. Somebody say, well, why wasn't she healed? I have no idea. I'm not God. He said, lay hands on the sick. The signs will follow. I, I saw so many miracles. I saw a guy with a cast with a, with a compound fracture that had happened the day before. Power of God hit him and he went crazy because it burned so hard. He, he begged his friends to cut it off. And they actually cut it off. And there was no bone. I mean, there was no scar. It was just a red arm. It was hot, hot pink. He was completely healed. People that couldn't walk, that were walking. A woman that got hit by a car, they brought her in later on the, on, the, on the ground in the back where I couldn't even see her. I didn't even know she was there. And a man in white came and stood over her and she, she was up and healed. I don't know why she wasn't, but I'll tell you what. I, I wanted the power of God. See, some people will opt for rationale as to why it doesn't work, and then they won't work it. But I'm surrounded with it working. I don't know why it didn't work in this one case. I don't know. But that just makes me want to know more. That makes me want to pray more. See, at some point you'll get over that tipping point where you're going to want to pray for everything that moves. Right? See, I don't know why in every case. I know it has something to do in a local church. It has something to do with the word level. You preach the word and then there's an explosion of manifested power. Alan, come on up. I asked, I wanted Alan to tell He's got five minutes, so somebody start the clock. <laughs> Alan, in August of 95, was one of seven who came to the altar, all of them with acute, serious problems. What was your problem? Well, the specialist that I'd seen in Erie said that he knew I had an autoimmune disease, but couldn't determine which one of the roughly 80 autoimmune, autoimmune diseases that exist I had. Uh, it was presenting a lot like rheumatoid arthritis. Now, at the time, I'm only ballpark 
36, 37. Uh, and I'd seen him the week before for the second time, and he'd give me this information, and he ended the meeting by saying, what you have now, it will come and go, but each time it comes, it will last longer, and the pain will be worse. And I'd had it for 15 months, and it just about drove me crazy. And people say that, and all I can say is, I was close. I was in so much pain for 15 months. Hmm. The next week, I came to the service that he's talking about, and it wasn't the end of the service. Somehow, he did healing in near the beginning or in the middle of it. Hmm. God stopped him because he said, I want everyone that has sickness, pain, disease in their body to come forward. I'm going to pray for you right now. You're going to be healed. And so I was one of seven, eight people seven. That, that went up front, and he prayed for me. And this is what he said to every one of us up there. First, he laid hands on us and prayed. And then he said, what would you do if, in fact, you were really healed? How would you respond? And we all kind of, we got it. We knew. We'd be shouting. Now, 15 months after the pain I was in, I would be really, really happy. I mean, I'd be screaming, okay? And so he asked every one of us to raise our hands and start praising God, shouting like we were healed, okay? So I did that. And as I'm doing that, all the pain in my body goes away. And I'd had this for 15 months straight. He then had to sit down. And I was sitting in the first or second row, and he came back over about 10 minutes later. He goes, how you feeling? And I said, the pain's back. And he said, get up here and put your hands up and start praising God. And I did, and the pain went away. And I went back and sat down, put my hands down, and the pain came back. That went on literally throughout the service. I went home. It continued throughout that whole next day. I went to his house the following day about noon and said, this is crazy. This, I've never seen or heard anything like this. Because when I raise my hands and praise God, the pain goes away. And when I put it down, the pain comes back. And he said, he says, just keep doing it. One of these times, you'll put it down and it won't be there. And literally, before that day was out, that happened. But I felt kind of strange, you know, just walking around going, Jesus. You know, and at the time, I didn't have it figured out. But since then, I've spent some time in the Word and been following after people that share the Word all the time. And it made sense to me. Once again, he says, if you have the Word, you've got something to stand on. And Isaiah 43, 21 says that God has formed us for himself. And what's the second half of the verse? And they shall declare my praise. He created us for a reason. Amen. So every time I was praising him, I was doing what I was supposed to be doing in the first place, whether he'd healed me or not. And when I did, it's like pain just went. And I'm going, that's a pretty cool God. And I did a lot of shouting for a lot of years after that. Okay? The key is one of the things that he said in the last time when he taught at Armada is don't forget that. Because I can tell you, just as he forgot that, even though it was so dramatic for me, when you come 15, 20 years later, yeah. you can forget that. And you need to keep those things in front of you so that when something else comes up, like the doctor walking in the room and saying the first thing out of his mouth is, you have cancer. Because some of you have heard that story too, and that happened to me. And I was able to respond much differently to that than needing someone else to lay hands on me and heal me. God just took care of that one because I wasn't going to allow it based on the word that 
men like him had put in me. Amen. That. Now that power of a testimony, that's just an awesome, glorious deed. Amen. Look here in Exodus 15, verse 11. I'm going to read it in the King James, and I want you to see a phrase from the English Standard Version. Who is like unto thee, O Lord? Exodus 15, 11. Who is like unto thee, O Lord? Now, that's poetic, isn't it? Come on, let's just be honest. That's not how we talk. That's like Yoda talk. (laughs) This is what God is like. This is what God is like. He's glorious in holiness. He's fearful in praises. He does wonders. Who is like unto thee, O God? Ah, Come on. What is God like? He is glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders. Now, the ESV, I was was saying, Lord, what's fearful in praises? The ESV says, awesome in glorious deeds. (laughs) His knees were like softballs. They're not now. That's my, what's God like? That's what God's like. That's what God's like. That's why I want to emphasize again and again and again the scriptural truth that God doesn't change. The immutability of God is a theological foundation taught forever. And it's interesting that the theologians who believe in the immutability of God will be the first ones to tell you God doesn't heal anymore. But just forget about the healing per se and let's ask what is God like he's holy he does awesome glorious deeds and he works wonders that's God and he doesn't change if he does change it's just he does it more (laughs) or he does it more powerfully or abundantly look over to the 26th verse you get anything out of this tonight in the 26th verse same chapter Exodus 15 you see God's attributes in his character are linked with what he does right isn't that true about you if you you tell me you're your character is one thing, but you, you, know, you, you go do another. What is that? So it, it, it's not character. You're a fraud. If God says his character is one way, then his actions have to correspond to that character. Or we could say it this way. Jesus said it, in fact. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Because I only do those things that my Father shows me I only do those things that please my father so if you don't believe me believe the works 
because my father sent me. Right? And what works was he talking about? All these manifestations of healing. It's tied in. So when we worship a God who, who doesn't do wonders, it's not this God. Some people, there's a title of a book. The title's better than the book. <laughs> I mean, I just love the title. The book's boring. But the title is, Your God is Too Small. I just love that title. And my, not my God. My God is so big. Then there's the other book that I don't like the title. The book's okay, but I hate the title. That Satan is alive and well on planet Earth. No, he's not. He may still be alive, but he ain't doing well. <laughs> Exodus fifteen twenty six, And said, If you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes... Now, what is that in King James' talk? The same thing Jesus' mother Mary said. Whatever he says, do it. Right? See, he works with the Word. He's got this Word, this obedience, hearkening to his voice. I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I brought upon the Egyptians. Why? Why? For I am the Lord that healeth thee. So still a little bit blind in the King James because it could be construed to say just simply, I'm the one who heals you. The Roman centurion said to Jesus, my servant lieth sick of a palsy. Jesus said, I'll come and heal him. That's what he said. I will come and heal him. That's not what he said here. He said, I am the Lord that healeth thee. In the Hebrew, he declared his name. I am Jehovah Rapha. His name is healer. He wasn't just saying, I'm going to come and heal you. That's good enough. <laughs> but it's his name. His name. His character. You can't go messing with God's name. Say, oh, well, but I'm not sure the Lord wants to heal. I am. It's his name. Yeah. He, he ain't filed and changed. He's not like Jake, Jack, or John. <laughs> I love you so much. His name is I am Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals you. Amen. So, so. Not even thinking about the individual aspects of God healing. Let's talk about God's nature. I'm going to say it another way. You can't keep God from healing. You couldn't keep me from walking up five flights of stairs in the morning. And I don't love that woman. I didn't love that woman a, a, a smidgen as to how much God loves you. Jesus was always moved with compassion. You can't take the character of God away. You can't keep God from healing people. He loves them too much. No more than you can keep water running through the cracks. God's love is going to flow wherever it finds a crack. 
it's going to push through. It's going to push through. I've walked into different hospital rooms, different times and different places. I remember walking into my, my cousin had dropped dead. <laughs> they gave him some kind of a shot. I forget what it was and didn't know he's allergic to it. He fell over dead right in the waiting room. You know how they make you sit there for a while. It's a good thing. I think he died five. I think he was dead five different times. And they brought him back. And his heart rate was real weak. I walked into the room and had the monitor on him. Is this real weak? That's my cousin. He's closer to me than any of my brothers. I, I want him to live. And I walked in there. And I pointed at the heart monitor. I said, I command you to beat normal in Jesus' name. And watched it. And right there in front of us went up normal. Just standing there. I'm thinking, Jesus. All you got to do is give God a crack. Push in. You can do that. I'm telling you, there's a place, there's a tipping point where you just get hungry for miracles. You gotta have miracles. I walked the streets of Moscow. I was gonna bring my family there. I'm thinking, it's impossible without miracles. You can't go on the mission field without miracles. Jesus said, you better get to Jerusalem and get filled with the Holy Ghost and then go out. Don't go out without power. You can't do it without power. But thank God we have the power. Amen. Well, we don't have all night. I got seven names. There's seven redemptive names of God. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer. Jehovah Nissi, the Lord, our banner for refuge or victory. Whoo! He's our banner. Amen. Jehovah Shama, the Lord who is present. He's with me. That's his name. Don't go messing with God's name. Jehovah Sidkenu. Sidkenu, the Lord our righteousness. It's my Greek expert up here. Well, that was Hebrew. You're right. <laughs> well, you're my Greek expert. <laughs> the Lord our righteousness. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. Jehovah Jireh used to be my favorite. The Lord our provider. I owned a camera store once and named it Jehovah Jireh. Nobody knew what it meant. <laughs> Jireh photos was what we called it. Jireh photos. I had a Jewish guy come in one time and he said, are you Jewish? I said, no. He just looked at me. <laughs> <laughs> Jehovah Rapha. The Lord, our shepherd. Let's stand up and praise God for his names. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Who needs a miracle in the house tonight? Come on down here. We'll lay hands on you. If you need a miracle in your body, in your finances, in your marriage, in your surroundings, who needs a miracle? Guys, can you help me with this? You got it? Praise the Lord. I know I went long, but that's all right.
Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Expect a miracle. Hallelujah, Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. Gene, come on up here and minister with me. Need extra hands. Let's start right here. What do you need from Jesus? Healing from diabetes instead. Yeah. Dealing with that. Well, thank you, Jesus. Anything else? Lord, we bless you right now for who you are. As we know, it's nothing about us. There's his sweet presence. We speak to her body and command it to respond. We command her body to produce and regulate the right chemistry and chemicals. Diabetes, we command you to be a figment of the past and to go from her in Jesus' name. Now that anointing is going into you right now. Receive that anointing and be healed in Jesus' name. Just stay and worship the Lord. Don't go running away. What do you need, Rufus? What do you need from Jesus? What do you need? Father, in the name of Jesus, finish what you've started. You are the healer, the Lord who healeth. We speak to his body to be well in Jesus' name. We command his heart and his blood pressure and all about his internal organs to function to the perfection of which they were created. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Glory, glory, glory. Just stay there. The Lord is doing a work in you, Rufus. What would you like from Jesus? of fear in Jesus name off of her life no fear in daddy's presence oh Lord you have so many purposes so many so many goals and dreams and so much that's not yet done 
So much territory that's not yet claimed. Now body line up to that. There it is right there. There's the anointing. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I say to this shoulder and to the side of her body, cut that out. Every symptom I command you to go. In the name of Jesus, she is well. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Just stay there in the presence of the Lord. We're going to soak tonight, team, if that's all right. You're doing great. Praise the Lord. What would you like from Jesus? hospital you, you can come on down for them I just something's been pulling on my heart from the congregation that you're praying for somebody 
Hey, come on down. We'll pray and, and believe for a miracle. What do you need from Jesus? respond respond to the word of God we say be healed in Jesus name thank you Lord thank you Lord be healed in the name of Jesus thank you Lord thank you Jesus Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Ramalebretu, Rano, Coyedo, Romalandro, Master. What do you need from Jesus? Thank you, Jesus. How long ago was it? Too long. Father, in the name of Jesus. We speak to her body in the name of Jesus to be made well, to repair, to recover, to come complete and be whole. Lord, there was even a leper that returned that wasn't just healed, he was made whole. Lord, restore, make her whole in Jesus' name. We thank you. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. What do you need for Jesus? Father, we come before you for Terry. We remind you, and I know it delights you, Lord, but we remind you that you're the healer. You're the Lord who heals. Now, Lord, Father, I, I don't know where Terry's at with you, and I don't need to know, Lord. You know, but what I know is he needs set free from this needs cancer driven out of his body we curse it right now in Jesus name and we command it to go cancer you have no right on this body right now cancer I command you to leave his body in Jesus name strength to come we worship you, Lord. We worship you for doing these awesome deeds. Oh, Rabayeto Karelete Kesta. E Brahma Lakane de Besta Sensei. 
That's, that's where my faith is. He's well. He'll live and not die. He is well. He is healed. He is well. Thank you, Jesus. We call those things which be not as though they were. Thank you, Jesus. What would you like from Jesus? testimony inspiring his actions and his releasing his faith father we thank you for healing him now we command this deviated septum to write itself and be corrected in the name of Jesus we bless you Lord Alan is healed in Jesus name in Jesus name. worship him Father, in the name of Jesus, the three of us, the whole congregation, we come before you for Jim. Jim, we speak to you in the name of Jesus to wake up and to respond. We speak to your brain, the physical organ of your brain, to be well and to be whole and to be healed in the name of Jesus. We release our faith, Lord, knowing that you are there in prison. Thank you for life. Thank you for health. Thank you for healing in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I saw you do it for Gene Olin. I saw you do it for Gene. 22% of his brain was dead. You did it for Gene. Thank you for opening Jim up. Thank you for his healing in Jesus' name. Wow, there's faith in this room. There's faith in this room. Woo. What do you need from the Lord? Your vision? Financial provision? Is that both of you? All right, put your hands together then. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for finances. Lord, you said you'd meet our needs. That means we're going to have them. Lord, we turn our needs to you and give you praise and glory and honor that you meet our needs, that you supply. In the name of Jesus, we speak death to debt and lack, and we speak life to hard work and prosperity. In the name of Jesus, and for creative ideas and for witty inventions and for a new way where there was no way and for an idea where there was no idea in the name of Jesus and we bless you for it Lord Amen Amen Keep praising the Lord like your life depends upon it What do you need from Jesus? Oh 
but let's get rid of that. In the name of Jesus, we curse arthritis. We command arthritis to go. In the name of Jesus, you have no place here. No place here. Father, we thank you that her body from the top of her head to the soles of her feet is saturated in the glory of God. And we thank you, Lord, she's well. We thank you she's healed. Glory to God. Rosada mande kestis. Thank you, Jesus. What do you need from the Lord? I'll agree with you on that. The father came to Jesus. Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. At that point, he turned it over to the Lord. But after I pray for you, you got to run to that Bible and live in it more than you have. That's all. It's not been enough. More than you have. Put put aside all the, all the other books and all the teaching manuals and notes in the column and just get into his word and let his word, which is life, supernatural spiritual life come up into his heart Lord now Holy Ghost you do what you're sent to do and remind him of all that God has said to him and bring back to his remembrance that which belongs to him in the name of Jesus and we bless you for it we bless you for it we bless you for it glory to God glory to God just stay there in that place with the Lord what do you need got to bring in the big guns. She wants a baby. We, we've prayed so, for so many. Lord, we thank you. We, we thank you for your covenant and your promises. We thank you for fulfilling them in their lives. We thank you for a baby. We thank you, Lord. There's the anointing right there. There's no curse. There's nothing wrong. Lord, your healing power flows into her body in the name of Jesus. Thank you for a child. Thank you for a child, Lord. Oh, glory to God. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. What would you like from the Lord? In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for her eyesight, for 2020 vision. We command the headaches to go and not return. They go and they will not return in Jesus' name. And I bless you for it, Lord. I worship you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. What do you need from Jesus? Same. Thank you, Lord, for her eyes. That's it. Pray one for another that you may be healed. Lord, for 2020 vision, 
In Jesus' name, we speak to these eyes to be formed and fashioned appropriately for 2020 vision in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. What would you like from the Lord? thank you for that Lord and I thank you that her body lines up in his will and all pain and stress leaves this physical frame in the name of Jesus be healed we bless you for it Lord thank you Jesus what do you need from Jesus Thank you, Lord, for finances. In the name of Jesus, you're the, you're the God of more than enough, Lord. Bring supply. Bring abundance. Father, Lord, according to the tithe, you rebuke the devourer. And I thank you, he is rebuked. Satan, you take your hands off of her life and off of her finances in the name of Jesus we call on abundance now ministering spirits you go and cause the money to come in Jesus name amen that's where my faith is amen what do you need from Jesus oh well let's get rid of those and let's just look at them and curse them in the name of Jesus I curse you and command you to come off and to fall off in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. It's just like Kevin's sister, Laura. She was about the same age. In fact, I think she had quite a few more. And I just told her now, I want you to put your finger on just like that every day and just say, I curse you in Jesus' name and I command you to fall off. Can you do that? Show me. Put your finger on that one. Amen. Every day. And they will. And, and now the only other thing is once they're gone, and it won't be too long, I want you to come back and testify. And if Pastor Sid won't let you, you tell me and I'll make them. Amen. Amen. What do you need from Jesus? Two things. I have a 
got got beyond you? They made a movie about that, I think. <laughs> about what what you're describing. I'm just trying to be lighthearted. <laughs> so you need financial. Anything else in there? Maybe just a good helper and a worker? Father, in the name of Jesus, we command this headache to go. Father, we bless you for your healing power in his life. And Lord, I thank you for meeting all of his needs supernaturally in in astounding measures and astounding ways. Show yourself in your favor towards him. So, so that it is a wonder. He can only sit at the table, shake his head in wonder how you have blessed him. And we thank you for it. I bless you for it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And whenever things are out of order, you, you put them in order from the top down. Make sure everything's in order with God serious about it and everything's in order with your wife be serious about it just go right down and things will come into order there's nothing that's the important part you can go live in the street you don't you're not going to but i mean as far as priorities amen it'll all come together quickly in the name of jesus amen Yes. What's his name? Douglas. Next Friday. And a brain tumor. You with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, we agree for Douglas. We curse this brain tumor. We command it to leave in the name of Jesus. We command it to disappear. To dry up and disappear. No brain tumor. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Well, he's, what do you need? Restoration of smell and taste. Father, in the name of Jesus, we command these symptoms to go. You give us all things richly to enjoy. And and we can't enjoy them if we can't taste them. Oh, taste and see what the Lord has done. In the name of Jesus, be healed. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. name. What would you like from Jesus? Total wholeness in Jesus' name. We believe, don't we? Oh yeah, amen. In the name of Jesus, we stand and praise you once more and always and always and always. I praise you, Lord, for his total healing and health, total healing and wholeness and soundness without a sign, without a symptom, without an indication, no memory of it, no sign of it. No one would even believe it. But we believe, we believe, we believe, we thank you for your healing power in the name of Jesus. Oh, glory to God. Amen. Mm.
Amen. Love you, buddy. Amen. Amen. Every wit whole. How are we doing, Rufus? <laughs> glory, glory, glory. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I want to teach you just a little bit more, just a little lesson. All right? And stay standing. I, this, and the kids can come in and we'll, we'll dismiss. We're not going to go too much further. Alan's testimonies, I wanted him to share it because it fit awesome deeds. It's just who he is. But it also fit in how Satan tries to steal your, your healing. Paul said, hold fast to that which you have. He'll, he'll steal every... You leave a quarter on the counter, he's going to take it. Satan is a thief. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And that's, that's all what he's about. And, and one of the things Jesus said in Mark 4 is as soon as you hear the word, as soon as you hear the word. Now, this isn't me. This is Mark 4 and Jesus. It's in the red in your Bible. As soon as you hear the word, Satan comes immediately to take the word that was sown in your heart. That's what the, and seeing God works with the word. All right. So when Alan was going back and forth like a wave, that's exactly what was happening. But he, he would go back to the word that God had given him, which was to praise him. And every time he praised the Lord, the pain would go. Well, that's exactly what happened with Charlie with a broken back. Every time we went through Psalm 23, the pain would leave. Then I would step back so the doctor could inspect him, and the pain would come back. And we went through that three or four times. They got one x-ray of a broken back, and after that, they took another x-ray, and he didn't have a broken back. He left two days later. That was Saturday. He left Monday morning with no broken back. But it's, and so whatever you've been prayed for, and those of you that haven't been prayed for, you've had something in your life where God blessed you. Financially or physically or with a new job or with a wife. or There's something in your life to give thanks for. I just want you to lift your hands and say, Thank you, Jesus, I'm healed. Thank you, Lord, you healed me from diabetes. Thank you, Lord, I, I don't have to live with this all my life. Thank you, Jesus, I'm the healed man of God. Thank you, Jesus. You healed this knee, Lord, and it's still working. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You healed this hand with broken bones and ligaments. You healed this hand, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You took asthma away from me, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, come on. You can do better than that. You, you, you're a thankful people, a grateful people, a grateful people. A grateful people. There it is. There. <laughs> now I have to do one more thing. I don't always know why the Lord does me this way, but don't worry about it. Brother, come here. Yep. All through the message, God has been dealing with me to do this to you. Hold your hands out like that. Do you pray for the sick? You do. Do you want to pray more? 
Amen. That's all through the message. I felt like he's one of them. That God wants to work miracles through your life. I was in Edmonton, Alberta in 95. And there was a minister of the gospel who laid his hands on my hands for healing power. I went back to Titusville and I preached the message where seven people came forward that were acute, bad, and they were all healed. I said, I want to do that with your hands, but the miracle's got to come through your life in Jesus' name. He wants to use you in healing ministry. So he wants to use us all. Y'all understand that, but there's something about tonight. I'll be kind because we have new carpet. I've been... I've been sufficiently chastised. I lay hands on my brother. What's your name? Robert. Robert. Nice to meet you, Robert. Father, he's a believer. You are a believer. You speak in tongues. Amen. Father, use him as I saw in my spirit with boldness of a giant, but the gentleness that makes him great. Lord, I thank there's in on it right there going into your hands. I thank you that you'd take of what's in me and put it in him. You feel that going into you? Yeah, that's the anointing of God. Let that healing anointing go into his life and not, not leave. But you'd use him bring healing and health to hurting people. The compassion of God flow through Him in the name of Jesus. Amen. Man, I trust you will. Amen. Amen. Robert, now I'm going to be serious. When God does something like that for you, it's just not a blessing for the weak. It's something you need to take heed. A couple years ago, there was a very similar case uh, where I called somebody out and the Lord told me they're at the verge of losing everything. They're a very successful businessman. And I asked the Lord, why? What's going on? And the Lord said, I... I anointed him to pray for the sick and he's never done it his whole life. 40 some years, 50 some years had gone by. He couldn't remember the last person he'd prayed for. So I just kind of had to kick him in the butt. Don't be that man. You got hands. Everybody in here has hands. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Jesus is my healer. Jesus is the Lord of my life. Jesus is Rufus's healer tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus is my healer. Jesus is my provider. Jesus is my provider. We have time for one song. We got. Let's worship with one song. But just the Spirit of God's not done yet.
grab the hands and just start praying for somebody next to you. Grab the hand of somebody. Let's be the body of Christ for 30 seconds here and just pray. Just start to pray and ask God to bless them. Your prayers might be the only prayers they get this week. Ask God to lift them up. Ask God to heal them. Ask God to, to prosper them. Ask the Lord to make them well. As we pray one for another, that's one way we're healed. Amen. Lord, we bless you for these little ones. We thank you for the worship team. We thank you for that anointing upon their life. Thank you, Lord, for these surrendered vessels. Thank you, Lord, that you flow through them. Thank you, Father, everything they do prospers in the name of Jesus. Thank you, we're, we're on a live church. Thank you, Lord, for this church. Thank you for this building. Thank you for a bigger building. Thank you, Lord, for more folks. Thank you, Lord, that we expand, that we grow, that we increase. Thank you that we're above and not beneath. We're, we are the, the victorious church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We bless you for it, Lord. Oh, we praise you. We praise you. We praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Woo, glory to God. Thank you, Lord. And the church said, Woo! Well, one way we love God is by going downstairs and fellowshipping. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. Amen. Well, good evening. Everybody glad to be here tonight, ready to worship. Let me read to you out of the Psalms tonight. Psalms 106:48 says, "Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting." And let all the people say, "Amen." Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Aren't you glad about that? It never runs out, never stops. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble. You know what? No matter what you're going through right now, no matter how big that trouble, he's able to get you out of it. That's something to rejoice about. It says, and gathered in from the lands from the east and from the west, from the north, from the south. Verse 8 and 9 says, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love. And we're going to do that in a minute because that's what we want to come into a corporate setting like this together with a grateful heart for what Lord has done for us. It says, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Well, is that you tonight? Are you hungry? Are you longing? Are you just desiring everything he has for you? Well, let's stand up. Let's praise the Lord. Let the redeemed of the Lord rejoice and say so and shout about it. Amen.
every battle, that you are the victory, that you are our defense, and nothing can stand against you. Thank you for this, Lord. Lord, we just give you this service. I thank you every person, for every person, for every heart here, Lord. I thank you for what you're going to do tonight through us, and we give you praise for it, and we just agree with your word. We agree with what you want to do through us tonight. And in the name of Jesus, we say amen. 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 Well, one way we love God is by loving one another. So turn to somebody, say hello, say I haven't seen you in a while, give them a great big hug. Children can be dismissed, teachers can be dismissed. Well, good evening again. If you weren't here in the beginning, we're glad you're with us. And we'd like to welcome anyone that's here for the very first time. We'd like to give you a nice big hand clap. If you're here for the first time, raise your hand real high. Anyone in the back here? Welcome to Church of the Word International. We're so glad you're with us tonight. I'm sure that you'll be blessed as you listen to the Word of God. All right. Well, if you wait a minute. I'm not doing cash envelopes. Or do you want me to do that? We're changing things up. Do you want me to pass out cash envelopes and prep for you or no? You can if you want. All right. I, I, it's hard to break old habits. So if you need a cash envelope, raise your hand real high. If you haven't figured it out yet, we're changing up the order just a little bit here. So uh, we're going to do announcements first. And then we will be returning the tithe to the Lord. So we have the Young Family Life a barn party coming up Sunday, October 24th at the Balmer's Farm. Uh, you can contact Kelly Burroughs. If you're interested in that, that's going to be from 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. And we have, or there's a Ghana Initiative Kingdom Building Construction Mission Trip coming up that we're work in the works of being planned. And if you're interested in being part of that construction group, I think they're going to be, is it a school they're building? We're, a mission center. All right, so construction workers, here's an opportunity to use the gifts God's given you for the kingdom. So you can talk to Troy about that. I do think he is going to be giving an announcement next week. Give us more information on that. Sunday night is youth and young adults, youth impact, tomorrow night here at the church, 6 p.m. But you can mark your calendar for October 29th. It's going to be a campfire and cookout at the Schumann's house. Also, um, Shane and Nicole Berger are doing a fundraiser for CW, or, no, not CWI, CRI. <laughs> Let's get this right. <laughs> right. It's all for the kingdom, right? Anyway, no, but specifically, it's for Children's Rescue Initiative. And they're going to be making pies, selling pies. They're going to be $12 a piece. Um, they would appreciate if you would sign up in the back if you would like one. And I think there's going to be a place to say how many. Okay, right. So look for a sheet in the back lobby. You can sign up for some pumpkin pies. All right, um, I just wanted to update the church that, you know, keep praying for Jim Wolf and his family. He's still facing some health challenges, so we're still believing for the full manifestation of healing to take place in his body. So remember them in prayer. And uh, Pastor Sid said to tell you all he misses you, he loves you, he, everything went well, and I believe he's going to be preaching tomorrow morning. So 
be praying for him that he speak with boldness and that he accomplishes what God wants to do in that service tomorrow. All right. We have a special treat. Apostle Dale is with us. He's going to bring the word of God. So open your heart. Be ready to obey it. He's going to do the, he's, he's, do, yeah, we're changing things up. We did dismiss him. Yeah, we, we already took care of that. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, let's open our Bible to Luke 21. We're going to receive the evening tithe and offering. Praise God. Uh, we are throwing things around a little bit, but not too much. Praise God. Appreciate you coming out tonight in this weather. We're going to believe for some miracles in the house. Anybody ready for a miracle? Yeah. Amen. Amen. I was texting with Sydney earlier saying, you got to be bold. You need to expect miracles. I was talking to Bob. Bob's out. Bob Hawk, he's out in Colorado with Jay. He's got tonight and tomorrow morning, and they've been going all week long, you know. And uh, John's been imparting to the worship team. I was telling Bob, you, you know, you got to go for broke. You got two more services. You got to expect a miracle. And uh, they've been having a tremendous time. Bob sends his love. Sidney sends his love. Bob had a prophetic word I want to share with you when he arrived. He said, I believe it was for that local congregation, but it's good for all of us, and I want to take it. God, God had him preaching on shift, change, and rearrange. Shift, change, and rearrange. And then they've been meeting every day at noon to pray for an hour for revival. And uh, the people out there are hungry. It's exciting to see the seed that Sid and Jen planted. How many years ago now has it been? Uh, 11 or 12, 12 years ago. Praise God. Took the step and had a baby in the spirit. And that baby's now up and running and walking. Glory to God. Has been for quite a while. Are you in Luke 21? Luke 21 is a powerful uh, uh, story. Not story, but depiction. Jesus looked up and he saw the rich men casting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw also a certain poor widow casting in two mites. Now, I don't know how, but he saw, he saw how much. That's an interesting thought, isn't it? How about we all just take all the envelopes and read out how much everybody's given? That, that'd be different, wouldn't it? Probably attendance would be a little less next week. But somehow they saw that he saw this woman was giving two mites, which uh, it's like two pennies. A small, or what might, you might consider insignificant amount. And then he said this. He said, of a truth I say unto you, that this poor widow has cast in more than they all. For all these have of their abundance cast in unto the offerings of God. But she, of her poverty, has cast in all the living that she had. Now, there's a couple of th- points I want to make for your observation for you to meditate on and think about. First of all, he didn't go get the money and give it back to her. He didn't say this was a bad thing. In fact, he encouraged it, as we're going to find out in other verses. Uh, He was just drawing a contrast between people who have abundance and people who have little. The law of sowing and reaping 
is, is central to the kingdom of God. And this woman was, was doing what she needed to do for breakthrough. But she was the winner in this situation. Jesus said she gave more than all of the others. And they were given out of their abundance. And they were rich men. Now, I, I don't want to belabor this too much. But when he said they were rich men, they were rich men. Because in Israel at the time, 99% of the money was held by about 1% of the population. So you were either very rich or very poor. There was no middle class. All right? So these rich men, they had it to give. But they didn't give. And you know, I found in, in ministry all my life, not to depend upon the people that have it to give, but to depend upon the, the, the God who gives. And that God is our source. That's a powerful principle. It's so simple. It's so simple. That God is your source. Well, from meditating on this, the Lord corrected some of my teaching. Uh, you know, I'm not afraid to, to say I've learned. And I'm not afraid to say I used to teach some things that I don't teach anymore. One of the things that I don't teach anymore, I used to teach all the time, that when you give into the offering, your money is your seed. And uh, I, found, I used to preach that a lot until I found out that your money is not your seed. Now, if your money is your seed, then these rich men had more seed than she had. But see, the Bible says the seed is the word of God. And the word of God gets in your heart and then you give. That word will produce faith and then that faith will produce an action. And see, that's why I want to encourage you. Jesus said, God, God lo loves a hilarious giver, but you're not giving out of compulsion. You're not giving because you're forced to give. You're not even giving out of peer pressure. You give out of a heart of faith. Amen. And when you, when you see this principle that you receive God's word, the seed of God's word gets in your heart, and then that will promote, prompt you to action. Giving takes on an entire new dimension. The tithe is just a small part of it. People say, well, I give, my, I give 10% to God. You know, I give God his 10%. I've heard people say that. Listen, buddy, all, that 100% is God's. He, he just wants 10% of it and, and, and then judges you and watches you with the other 90. But the, the whole deal's his, isn't it? Amen. So this, this woman wasn't sowing more seed as far as more money or amounts. She was sowing in her faith. And out of that, she would receive more. Look in here in Luke chapter 6. I like to share the word with offerings because that way I get two sermons. I remember one time my dad bought tickets to the Pirates baseball game. And when we got down there, we found out it was a doubleheader. Sometimes that's, that's, whoo, that's, you know, two games for one price. Praise the Lord. So it's, you got a doubleheader tonight. <laughs> or maybe we should take two offerings. No, no, I guess not. 
He said, let's look here and start with verse 36, Luke 6, 36. Be ye therefore merciful as your father also is merciful. Judge not and you shall not be judged. Condemn not and you shall not be condemned. Forgive and you shall be forgiven. Give and it shall be given to you. See, there's a whole lot more going on here than just finances. See, the law of sowing and reaping is vast. The, the tithe is, is another subject, but the law of sowing and reaping works in the tithe, but there's a lot of the sowing and reaping that's not the tithe. All right. In fact, you can give to the poor. That's not the tithe. That's alms. So here he says, mercy, showing mercy, is a part of the law of sowing and reaping. Judging not... So you won't be judged. It's a part of the law of sowing and reaping. Condemning not, and you'll not be condemned. Forgiving, and you'll be forgiven. Smiling, and... See, I just got like five smiles right there. Amen? The law of sowing and reaping is at work. Given, it shall be given to you. But now it's interesting. He goes and expounds when it comes to money. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you give, it shall be measured to you again. Now, when I was looking at this, again, it perked my attention because I'd been talking about or studying and I'd heard people preach and teach and, and I believed it and I was preaching it. You know, I'm going to sow and I'm going to receive a hundredfold. Maybe sometimes it's 30-fold, 60-fold. But you, you give and you're going you're gonna to receive more back. You know, the farmer, he plants one seed. You know, you don't do it one at a time. But he expects every seed to produce multiple times. You don't want to put one corn seed in the ground and a stalk of corn comes up, you know, six and a half feet high and you pull that ear off and there's one ugly old gnarly corn in there. <laughs> no, you want several ears, and you want them ears to all have, uh, you know, I don't know how many kernels are in a corn cob, but anyhow, a whole lot more than one, right? So how come Jesus says here, the measure that you give is the same measure you'll get back? Well, that ought to challenge your thinking. It sure did challenge mine. Until I realized he wasn't, again, he's not talking about amounts. Measures are not amounts. And basically, when I went to the Lord, he gave me three measures to, to consider. Number one, I'm going to give all three of them to you quick. Number one, I found out, uh, had you ever, ever wonder how come sometimes you sow a seed to meet a need and it seems like forever before there's an answer you know but then the Lord dealt with me about how many times he'd asked me to give and I was slow to do it I remember one time I was worshiping the Lord and the Lord told me to buy the drummer a new suit it took me about three weeks to get around to it I, now he says something like that to me I'm gonna, it's going to be this afternoon because I've learned the difference. See, the first measure is be quick to give. 
It would change everything. Now here, now, now let's apply that to what Jesus said. The same measure that you give with is the measure that will be given back to you. How many of you understand that being quick to give is a pretty good thing? Right? Be quick to give. Uh, number one, if you're not, the devil will, will talk you out of it. Amen? Be quick to give. Number two, <laughs> I learned this, believe in God for watches. I liked watches, and the watches I liked, I didn't want to buy. <laughs> I, I chose not to spend my prosperity on those things, but I still liked them. So I would give away, well, I gave away, I don't know how many watches, tons of them. Believe in God for a really nice watch. And I gave away my watches, and people would give me watches, but half of them wouldn't even work. <laughs> I, I, got a drawer, I got a drawer full of junk watches. <laughs> Until finally, I, I had one nice watch that I'd paid some money for, and I think I was, well, it doesn't matter where I was at, and I saw a pastor that didn't have a watch. He was worshiping. And he didn't have a watch on. So, so I, I just felt impressed. He needed a watch. But Lord, I can't run home and get one of them junky ones. <laughs> I'm wearing a good one. <laughs> so then I have this little argument with the Lord. You know how stupid that is. I mean, arguing with the Lord don't work. He, this doesn't work. Might as, well, might as well give in. So I gave him that watch. And lo and behold, just a few days later, I got a really good watch. And God began dealing with me about the second measure. Give your best. Give your best. So when someone says, give that man your tie, I don't have to ask the Lord which tie. I got three or four in my suitcase. I know which one I'm going to give him. I'm going to give my best. Now, I, I'm, I'm too young to, to know, but my grandfather used to divide seed corn from his harvest. I, you know, now you just buy your seed, I suppose. You know? And, and, or have them make it in a laboratory. I don't know how they'd come about with seed these days. <laughs> but you used to have to, to just, you know, keep some of your corn for next year's planting. Guess what? The farmer's not going to keep the worst corn. If you keep the worst corn, you're just going to perpetuate that decline. No, you're going to take the best seed for your corn seed. Right? Learn to give your best. So if God tells you, you know, to give somebody your car and you got two. It's awful quiet in this Episcopalian church. <laughs> give your best. These are the measures. Well... Now, let's apply that to what Jesus just said. The same measure that you give, it'll be measured back to you. And you give your best, you'll receive the best. Ooh, glory to God. All right? And the third one. Well, I don't want to just receive once in a while. Third measure is give every day. Give every day. Purpose in your heart to give something tangible every day. It would change your life. I had uh, a guest speaker years ago, Mike Francine. And uh, he was raised up underneath 
an evangelist in Africa by the name of T.L. Osborne. And Mike was one of these miracles that came to our church when we were young and probably didn't know how he ended up there, except we had people that could pray him in. <laughs> and I remember meeting him and taking him to the hotel, and, and then we went out for dinner and uh, get, get the privilege to share with someone before the minister. And he said to me, I don't know why, but I, I felt impressed with the Lord to tell you a story, a, a testimony. I said, okay, what's that? And he said, I was uh, holding a crusade in Africa. I forget the city. And he said, you know, it wasn't much to speak of, but, but uh, you know, you know we're, we're beginning in ministry. And I'm in my hotel room getting ready to go to bed. And uh, my phone rings. And he said, I thought, you know, the front desk needed, you know, had something or something. So I picked up the phone and it was Kenneth Copeland. And, 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 you know, he'd never met Kenneth Copeland before. And here he is in the middle of nowhere picking up the phone. And there's Kenneth Copeland on the other end. Found, found out Kenneth Copeland was staying in the same hotel. And Copeland had seen him in the lobby and asked after him. And so, so he called him up. He said, Mike, he said, uh, I saw you there. And uh, the Spirit of the Lord gave me a word to give you. Let's have breakfast. I'll give you this word from the Lord. And so uh, Mike said, okay. So then uh, he said, I wished he'd have called me in the morning because now I can't sleep. <laughs> so I spent a couple hours in prayer making sure I was fully repented and, and, and clean and righteous and, and, and went and had breakfast with him. And he said Copeland was nice, but didn't say a whole lot till the end of the meal. When he finished his breakfast, he pushed the plate aside. He said, Mike, here's what the Lord told me to tell you. He told me to tell you the secret of how you'll never have lack in your ministry. He said, oh, when Brother Copeland said that, he said, I sat up and scooted forward in my chair. So when Mike said that to me, I said, well, it's for me too. So I scooted up and scooted out on the table. I wanted to hear what Mike had to say. And Brother Copeland just said, Mike, determine to give something away every day. Give something away. If it's a ballpoint pen, just give something away. Why? Because you're, you're living in a... This, this isn't... The spirit realm doesn't have seasons. It's continual harvest. Continual sowing and reaping. In fact, it can get to such a degree that the sower catches up with the reaper or the reaper catches up with the sower. Amen. Give every day. Don't just think, well, I'm going to give on Sunday or I'm going to give Saturday night or I'm going to give here. No, give every day. When you meet people, think about it in your mind. How can I bless them? What can I do for them? What do they need? How can I be of service? Well, when you set yourself up to be God's pipeline, he's got a lot of blessings and he's looking for pipelines. Amen. Are you blessed tonight? Amen. Well, I don't know if you have an envelope, you can fill it out. If you're giving in cash, raise your hand and get an envelope. If you're making out a check, make it out to CWI, Church of the Word International. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, bless this tithe. We, we, we bring the tenth to you. We thank you, Father, it's sanctified. We thank you. You rebuke the devourer for our sakes, and we're blessed. We are so blessed. We give you praise for it. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The ushers will wait upon the people.
and the people will be obedient unto the Lord. Amen. He's a good God.